Hey everybody, this is Tia Carroll and you are listening to Talking Blues with Mako. Thanks for tuning in. Wonderful. You've done this before. You know, I have a, I have a radio show that I do every Wednesday. And I've been doing that on a station called KPOO for the last three or four years. But about 20, about 20 years ago, I did it on an all-rock station called KOOX. And I did that for about three or four years. Tell me how you got into doing that. How did you get into radio? You know, it's so funny. It, it mostly comes from me doing what I do. Hey, can I be on your radio station? <laughs> and and people you know just kind of look at me like how, how can you just walk up to me and ask can I be on your radio station but you know they look and they can see the sincerity in my heart that I'm not just trying to you know I, I want to get on radio because it seems like fun and at the time that I was on the rock station I was really into rock music so that was just like being a kid in a candy store. It's like all these rock CDs around here and I get to play any of them. This is awesome. And my enthusiasm, you know, just kind of made the um, the general manager feel at ease. And he's like, okay, go for it. I'm like, who? So wow. for that station, I was the mistress of the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and did you create your own playlist or did, did they tell you what you can and cannot play? Uh, on that one, I'm trying to think back. It seemed like I could play what I wanted to, but they did have certain songs that they wanted me to play. Right. But what is, it was an independent uh, radio station. It wasn't like under the umbrella of like, you know, the big stations like iHeart or right. uh, was that Clear Channel. I don't think they were even around when I started that. So what do you get out of being a DJ? Nowadays, now that I'm on KPOO, I do play whatever I want to play. And I love it because I discover new music that's been out there for 50 years just because I've never heard of it. It's new music. And if my audience has never heard of it before, it's new music to them too. So it's a, my chance to kind of share some new stuff that we all get to listen to at the same time. I'm a little bit reckless because I will just, you know, pull up a song that I, I absolutely never heard of the artist or the song <laughs> and, and just throw it up there. And, you know, but the general manager at that radio station, he's like, oh, OK, whatever, <laughs> as long as as long as I don't cuss or <laughs> or let anybody else cuss, it's all good. <laughs> OK, so so you said that you have a way of asking people things like trying to get on the radio yes. where does that come from i think that's just pure tia curiosity i've i've uh i don't know it's, it's like if there's something i see that i'm curious about or i'm interested in you're either going to get a yes or a no and i'm okay with either one of those answers um are you always okay with either answer like if they would have said no to the radio would you have tried other places and, or 
Probably, yep. And, and then, how do you deal with no's? Because I presume, like my, like me, when you reach out, the percentages of no's are probably greater than the percentages of yeses. Yes, it's very true. And a, a no is just a future yes. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to penetrate. <laughs> <laughs> Have you always looked at life that way? I believe so. Yes, I I just feel like, you know, I, I'm I'm put here on this earth. There is a plan for me. God has a plan for me. Um, how I how I navigate through this, you know, through this path that's set for me. I just figure it's a better it's a better journey as a positive journey. I've had enough negativity. And there, I'm sure there's still more to come, but it, it is all in how you react to that negativity and trying to just, you know, just kind of guide yourself more to the light, <laughs> to the positive things in life. I know religion. Well, I assume that religion plays a big part of your life. Um, I know you grew up with religion. Does this come from religion or does this come from something else? Actually... I did not really grow up with religion. I was never in any kind of church choir or anything like that. Um, this, this music, this voice is, is a gift. And quite frankly, it's only been about, oh, I want to say about four years since I've actually joined a church. And I really, I really enjoy this church. It's kind of a, a, a teaching more so than preaching church. Um, and I'm learning more and more, uh, about what's in the Bible. And I, I mean, I've always known right from wrong. I've always believed in God, always believed in a higher, something higher than me, of course, because how else do we get here? Uh, it's, it's a big question, but, um, this, I don't know this, I, as over, like I said, over the last four years, I've joined this church and it's it's leading me to more and more information of um, the Bible stories. And the easiest thing to pull out of that is just be kind to each other. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, tell somebody you love them. You know, when you get the chance, tomorrow's not promised. So if you love somebody today, you need to let them know today. You know, it's um, it's almost become a way of life of just... I don't know, just being positive. Positive is so much better than negative. It, it really is. For sure. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I thought I read somewhere that you grew up going to church. You know, a lot of people assume that that's where this came from. And sometimes their assumptions end up on a piece of paper. Right. But, you know, but here I am live and in concert. Nope, I did not. <laughs> okay. But so... If I understand this correctly, it wasn't like you grew up thinking you wanted to be a singer. Like it wasn't your childhood dream to get on stage and sing. Or maybe it was, but it's not something you pursued at a young age. Is that correct? That is very correct. Now, I did used to sing all the time from, gosh, probably from the time I started talking. I was humming and singing all the time. I never really realized that anybody liked it. I didn't really care if anybody liked it. I loved it. So, I mean, you know, the as a little girl, <laughs> and I'm saying like, I don't know, five, six years old, 
if the doorbell rang at, at home, in my opinion, that was a curtain call. <laughs> Company's coming over and they need to hear me sing. <laughs> and what were you singing? Everything, anything. I'd make up stuff, stuff from the television, uh, you know, theme songs like Green Acres and Beverly Hillbillies, Flintstones, whatever, <laughs> whatever was in my mind at the time. When the audience showed up, it wasn't really an audience. It was my mom and dad's company. But <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, my God, Tia, please go in back in your room. Go sit down somewhere. <laughs> How long did that last? How long did you do that for? All my life. Really? <laughs> yeah. I just, you know... I just, I just love to sing. I really do. And I know this is a gift that is not for me to actually keep to myself. I'm supposed to share this. And that's what I do. Now, later on in life, as, as sharing this has turned into um, monetary blessings, that's awesome. <laughs> but I'm not in it for the money. I, I'm in it because I love to sing. And, and just, you know, recently uh, being taken up with Little Village has just been amazing. It's been amazing. This is honestly the best CD I've ever done. Okay. I want to get to that, but I want to get, I just want to head back to where it all began or your pursuit of singing. Um, it was never about the money. You never thought, I'm going to get up on stage and and charge people for my singing. Be rich and right. famous. Yeah, but no. at the same time, you always love to sing, and you never wane from that. What got me up on stage, actually, uh, my ex-husband heard me singing around the house, and he's like, you know, you really have a great voice. You really should be singing somewhere, singing with a band or something. And I was like, All right, really? You think people are like that? He's like, yeah, you should go, get, you know, go find yourself a band. Now, that's easier said than done. <laughs> However, the place that I was working at was called Granny Goose Foods. We made potato chips. Mm -hmm. And there happened to be a guy in there who had a band. And it was an old-time rock and roll band called Yakety Yak. So I asked him one day, hey, can I come audition for your band? He's like, well, yeah, I mean, what can, <laughs> what can I lose? <laughs> so I came and auditioned for his band. And the band members were just you know, like, wow, where's she been? She's got to stay. So that was my first um, introduction to an actual band. Uh, my first time leading a band. And, you know, I was with those guys for probably about five years. Had you sang with a band at all before then? No. So up until that point, all your singing would have been to your radio, to records around the house. Yep. What was it like to actually sit there and sing in front of a band? It was, it was just, it was amazing. It's like, wow, this is real life music. This isn't coming out of a speaker. This is, you know, there's somebody behind me with a guitar and there's a dude over there with some drums. This is awesome. <laughs> and did it pass? So I, I, mean, I presume it was like a 50s, 60s rock and roll band. Is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Old time rock and roll. And did it matter what you were singing? <laughs> no. I mean, I sang all the old time rock and roll stuff. You know, so that wasn't really a stretch for me. Right. And, you know, I dressed in, in 
poodle skirts and bobby socks and those black and white shoes <laughs> it was i mean looking back on it now is kind of like really to you <laughs> but <laughs> can, can i ask how old you were when that happened let's see i had to have been at least let's see at least 30 maybe even yeah at least 30 wow so the fact that you had never sang with a band until you were 30 that's amazing to me. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and did it come easy to you? <laughs> crazy enough, yes, it did. It, it was almost like the band was waiting for me to uh, to insert singer and start and just go. I mean, I didn't know anything about like leading a band or or you know how to signal a band that I want them to slow down or speed up or stop or give me a hit or whatever. I didn't know any of that stuff, but. I guess eventually I came up with my own kind of signals and, you know, the, the musicians were, were great and they, they understood what I wanted. So there it was. And so you start this thing, I presume it's a hobby. It's something you do outside of work. Right. And are you content with that? Or are you thinking maybe this is something I want to pursue? Cause you, you did say you didn't, you didn't, pursue this for money right this is just something you always did yes but once you felt that and once you started getting paid for doing stuff like this did you think i need to do it in a different way or was it were you quite content just being a part-time musician playing weekends and odd gigs i was good with being a part-time musician and playing odd gigs i just felt like now this is a part of my life i go to work I come home, I go to sing, you know, I'm up late at night, uh, go to bed late at night, wake up early in the morning so I can get to work. It was just, it just became a part of life. And it was just, you know, um, I just loved it. It was, it's just a part of my day, a part of my every day. And that was awesome to me, even though I still had a job and God knows I needed it because musicians don't usually have a, a medical and dental. Right. <laughs> so, you know, so that, that was something I needed. Plus, you know, in, in the midst of all of that, I had at least one kid. So, you know, there was a, I needed to hang on to a, um, a day job to make sure I could keep hold of my, um, my benefits, right. you know, to keep me and my child uh, together. However, I have been so blessed with every day job I've had. I want to say I've really only had three that accumulated to the, the, the last 35 years. So Granny Goose, I worked there for 18 years. And I went on at least two or three tours during that time. Um, and they were always okay with me leaving. They knew I was coming back. And my work was uh, was always up to par to where they wouldn't want to they wouldn't want to fire me. It's like it's okay. Well, as soon as you come back, we'll have a good time. Um, the next place I was at was Chronicle Books, and they you know they wrote books or made published books, and I probably went on tour at least three or four times with them. And when I say on tour, I mean gone like a week or two weeks, sometimes up to thirty days. And once again, it's like, okay, see you when you get back. Have a good time. Awesome. <laughs> well, I think it speaks to who you are 
and, and the type of person that you are or, or the, the, the work that you put into it that allows them to hopefully want you back. Yes. Or to be open to the idea that you're pursuing something else and they know that you always have a home there. Right. Which is great. Right. Yeah. So it's been... Okay. So you're playing with the Akadiak and then um, you have a child. And then at what point? At one point or another, you decide that you want to do your own thing, correct? Yes. How does that decision happen, and how did you come about knowing what that thing was? Oh gosh, knowing what that thing was didn't come until I, honestly knowing what that thing is. It's not even here today. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I, I. You know, I've been. Okay, so I sang old-time rock and roll. I sang rock. I sang R&B. You know, all in little stints. And blues came much later. Um, and I, I still feel like all of those things are, are something I do every day. Mm-hmm. There is no... I'm, I'm not in a... I wouldn't put myself in the pigeonhole genre. So... As as time went by, you know, I uh, like I said, I, I started singing some rock. I had a rock band, <laughs> made a rock CD, <laughs> and that lasted probably for about I don't know, maybe five or six years. Um, there was a point where I didn't have a band at all. What I had was like a karaoke machine and some backing tracks and a microphone. And that was my show, and that was usually more R and B and soul. Okay, tell me about that, because obviously, the discipline must be quite different to be a singer with a karaoke machine versus a singer with a band. It is, and I presume that there are good things and bad things about both. Yes, I, I feel like you do have to be a little bit more uh, um, vocal in your approach to what you're about to do, because. The band, you can tell the band to do all kinds of stuff. You know, I need you to break it down right here or, or, you know, give me a long solo or whatever. A karaoke machine, you can't tell it anything. (laughs) So you have to deal with the audience and you tell the audience, all right, I'm about to, this solo is about to be the greatest you've ever heard. Hit it. And, you know, you know where your stuff is going to be because it's always there. (laughs) It's never going to change. Right. So I feel like the difference is... um, is being able to enchant your audience enough to where they feel like maybe they are listening to a full band, even though they know they're not. They, I'm just the only one standing there, but I've got enough energy and enough um, jibber-jabber to keep everyone engaged. <laughs> um, why do you go that route? Is it just is it affordability? Is it the type of gigs you're seeking? No, back in the... back. During that time when I was doing that, I just didn't have a, a home band. Um, the stint with the rock and with the old time rock and roll band was had come to an end because, like I said, during that time I had a child, right? And the the band manager was like, "Okay, I, I was eight months pregnant. I was still trying to sing." <laughs> and the manager was like, "You know what? Uh, you're gonna have to stop because we can't have you having this baby on stage." <laughs> So, you know, that kind of set me down for about a year and a half or so. <laughs> and had he not talked to you, you would have been up on stage in the ninth month? 
Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, how does one also figure out? You know, once again, coming to the coming to a band very late, and and I don't mean really late, but you know, not having played with a band for thirty years, how do you know what to do on stage? What people like? When to cue for solos? When to extend solos? When to do whatever you do up on stage? How do you learn that? I. I feel like it just kind of came to me in the fact that I read the room. You know, you can kind of look out at the audience and see what they're doing. And it's kind of hard to explain. Uh, it just seems like... But did like that it, come natural to you? Like I hear musicians yeah. talk about reading the room. But if you're not doing that for the for many years and you just all of a sudden find yourself in front of a band, I just don't know how easy it is to read the room, to know how to put on a good show. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I that's do. Amazing to me. And I don't know. I don't know how it happened, but it just, it just happened. I guess, you know. I mean, honestly, maybe I'm a natural. <laughs> and know? I presume you probably saw some musicians on stage, so it wasn't like it's a total foreign thing. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, my idol is Tina Turner, so I probably was channeling a bit of her. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you you do the 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 old rock and roll stuff. You do more rock stuff. You do the karaoke stuff. Um, at what point do you think? And you know, we kind of asked about this. I asked about this before. But at what point do you think this is who I am? This is the type of music I want to do. Um, I don't even know if that's even come yet. <laughs> but but having said that, you said that the latest album is. Your, your best work so yes it must be closer to what you've been hoping to achieve than anything else you've done it's my best work because my vocals are I, I mean i i don't really like to talk about myself like this but in this particular case my vocals were stellar the musicians were stellar mm -hmm. the the production was just amazing you know so it's kind of like it's kind of like God threw all these things in the bag at the same time, and I happen to be there in that bag. And it's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're, you're still not convinced that this is who you really want to be? Or the musical direction you... Sh I know there's more. I know there's more. There's more in me. I don't know if it's going to be more blues or more soul or, or what, but I just know there's more in me. I, I you know... I don't know. Um, this is just to date the best. I don't know what's coming tomorrow, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be awesome. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go back again a few years. During this time, as as you're trying, as you're pursuing your love of music, you also get other opportunities to sing with other people. Mm -hmm. um, you get to tour with other people. Tell me about how who you worked with and how that came about. Almost every tour that I have come across has been from word of mouth. The only, the only time that I actually uh, reached out and got a yes, although it took about seven no's before I got that yes, was the Lucerne Blues Festival uh, in Switzerland. Other than that, every, like going to Brazil, I've gone to Brazil at least 
10 or 12 times, if not more than that. That was through Igor Prado. And it's on your new album. Yes. Um, I'm, oh, and I met him at the Lucerne Blues Festival. And I had the opportunity to bring my band there. So he saw what I did. He liked what I did. And he reached out and asked me if I would like to come and visit Brazil. Of course. <laughs> Everybody else might say no, but I'm yes. <laughs> so that was the word of mouth from, from touring with him. Right. Um, going to, uh, where did I go to? Um, Thailand. That was, I was working with the West Bay Area Blues Society. That's what they were called at the time. And they had an opportunity to go to Thailand and, well, I wasn't really working with them, but they, they knew of me. Uh, and they asked me if I wanted to go and be background singer for Zakia Hooker. Mm. And I was like, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Again, yes. And something happened, something switched up. And I ended up, instead of in Zakia's group, I ended up with the Bay Area Blues group as um, a front person. So that was cool. But again, that was like word of mouth. Um, I went to, where was it? Uh, Spain. Spain was word of mouth. Somebody knew someone. Like the producers asked for an American black blues singer. The guys in Spain that I worked with, they didn't know anybody. So they, they Googled and they found me. Okay. Is that right. crazy? Well, <laughs> um, it's not crazy. It's it's just been that way. Okay, so <laughs> it's just been that way. But before then, like you did some backup work with Jimmy McCracken. Yes. Uh EC Scott. Mm-hmm. How did those opportunities happen? Crazy enough, back to Granny Goose Foods. <laughs> While I was working with Yakity Yak band, Jimmy McCracken's daughter happened to be working at Granny Goose Foods. I didn't know her. She didn't know me. But one day, by the water cooler, <laughs> we were, ch were chit-chatting about this, that, and the other, and music came up, and we talked, and she told me, oh, yeah, my dad, you know, he tours all over, Jimmy McCracklin. Now, I came from Richmond, born and raised in Richmond. I never heard of Jimmy McCracklin. <laughs> but she was like, you know, he needs another background singer. Are you interested? Again, yes. <laughs> yes. So that's how I ended up with Jimmy McCracklin. So how do you... E.C. Scott, same thing. Um, it didn't matter. As long as you were singing, whether you were a front person or a backup <laughs> singer. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And tell me about the discipline of being a backup singer. Uh, keeping your voice... Keeping your voice... Uh, what do I want to call it? Um, in tune with the other voices around you. Uh, I, I tell you, I really learned, I learned a lot from being background singer with uh, Jimmy McCracklin in, in blending and harmonies. I learned even more with E.C. Scott uh, because I, I ended up almost being like the one steady background singer and kind of helping the, the other two or three, whoever came in the revolving door. Um, so my ear was trained very well for backgrounds, for blending, for harmonies, um, coming up with background parts and stuff like that. I presume those experiences makes you a better singer today as a lead singer. Sometimes yes and sometimes no. Why no? Um, 
because now when I try to harmonize with someone, like sometimes I do a, a duet with a guitar player and uh, he'll sing a song and, and I need to harmonize with it. Sometimes it's a little hard to get to that harm, harmony. Uh, and it could be because, you know, we're both like single singers. Right. Um, which puts you in a mindset of instead of, oh, we're going to go, oh, 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 and it's hard to follow that. Hmm. Me as a single singer is hard for someone else to harmonize with me like that. And him as a single singer is hard for me to harmonize with him like that. So unless you are uh, singing something super, super straight, that's when the harmonies come come in and, and it's a it's a, a great thing. But if it's you know, if if you're if your mind's not set in background singing, it's gonna be hard to harmonize with people. I don't so, know if I answered your question or no, not. No, it makes total sense. <laughs> even though I don't sing at all and have no concept of singing. But no, what you said <laughs> does make sense. So when you pursued with Lucerne, um, and you got a lot of no's and this goes back to what we began with is that you keep asking and and hopefully things will happen but um mm -hmm. when you finally got that opportunity what did that mean to you i was ecstatic because i got to take my band with me outside of the united states to a prestigious blues festival as as part of they only had, uh, I want to say they only picked 12 to 15 bands a year. Right. And, you know, there's thousands of bands out there. So to be one of those 12 to 15 bands was just, I, I, I was just beyond myself. Like, oh, my God. And it, it was just such a wonderful experience to be able to travel with my band. You know, I mean, I've been traveling with other people's bands and honestly, I've only been able to take my band out outside of the United States, like maybe four times, I think. Lucerne was one. Uh, Northern Italy and Torino was another in Mexico. So three times. But I've been all over the place. But when you, when you, okay, so when you conquer, maybe conquer is not the right word, but when you get to Lucerne, it's a very prestigious festival and you do well. Do you think to yourself, I need to, I want to do this all the time? Or do you still think, I like the stability of having my job. I like the idea of playing when I can, but I don't want to be a full-time musician. Like, how, how do you work? Like, do you think in terms of that's what you're aiming for? Or are you quite happy with what you have? I'm pretty sure at that point, I would have loved to have been a full-time musician. But reality sets in, in that to be a full-time musician, you kind of have to have a really big name in order to get the type of shows you need to sustain yourself. Right. And, uh, I mean, it, it's, just, it's just too expensive out there to be able to do your, you know, to go to a dentist uh, a la carte. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And my name was just, it still isn't big enough to, to say I'm a full-time musician, even though I kind of am a full-time musician. But I look at my June calendar, I got one thing on there. 
Yeah, but it's a little different, I mean, though, right? Like right now is a little yeah. different. <laughs> Something yeah. happened about a year ago. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> I don't know what it was either. <laughs> I know I'm vaccinated against it. <laughs> how 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 did the past year affect you? How how did you deal with that? Day by day, just you know, it, you got to keep it moving. And one one of the songs on my CD is called "Move On." You know, things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. No matter what it is, you've got to get up and keep moving. You have to keep moving because the world won't stop. The world is going to continue to do what it's going to do. And you can either sit there and just wait for something to happen, or you can get up and keep moving and doing what you need to do. And, and were you able, were you working in the last year? Uh, I did a few v virtual concerts. Um, not a lot, but uh, enough to to kind of keep my at least my name and my face out there. Okay, so but it's it's within the last year. Well, I don't know when the album was put together, but you're just you're, you're releasing a new album where it just came out. Um, when did the process? Well, actually, tell me about um, how that relationship with Little Village happened. How did that begin? Um, the executive producer Noel Hayes. He has been watching my shows over the last 20 years. He'd come out to some shows, and I've known him for, for at least that long. And he approached me one day last year, like in, it might have been in August or so, and asked me if I'd be interested in recording a CD. <laughs> once again, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, and if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time uh, you've started a recording project that wasn't your own. This is somebody coming to you and saying, do you want to um, record yes. for us? That is true. Yes. Um, and I didn't know who it was going to be for. I just knew it was going to be a CD. It was going to be some music. So Noel and I picked out some songs. I had some originals um, that I wanted to include. And he had some things that he wanted to include. And we got together with about maybe 18 songs or less and uh, put together a list of stuff that we thought we might like to have on the CD. I spent a couple weeks listening to all the songs. Excuse me, he did the same. And then we kind of whittled it down to about 15 songs. And then in October, we went into the studio with those 15 in mind, and they got whittled down to 11, and that's what's on the CD. Okay, so um, by this and, time, I know that there, it's not just a blues album. There's funk and whatever, but... At this point, you're heading more into the blues direction. Mm -hmm. At what point did that begin, that journey? <laughs> when I got pregnant with my son and grew a blues body. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I ask you to explain that? <laughs> okay. I used to fit in. I, <laughs> I used to fit into, you know, the, the suit of... Uh, an R&B singer or a, a soul singer. But, you know, once you, once you gain a, put on a few pounds for a woman, all of a sudden you kind of get, you know, like, you can't fit that suit no more, so you really shouldn't be singing that kind of music anymore. I had to give up rock <laughs> because I used to wear the little skinny jeans <laughs> and skinny leather pants and stuff. I can't fit into that stuff anymore. <laughs> I can't look like that. <laughs> but, but seriously, it did... 
it had an influence yes. on the type of music you sang? Yes. No, I, I'll be honest with you, okay. Mako. Nobody wants to see a fat rock singer. <laughs> I mean, it's sad. It's sad, but it's true. You know, it's sad, but it's true. So you can, you can be, well, I can't say, you can't look any kind of way you want to look in certain genres, but you can't look any way, well, that, that sentence is just true. You can't look any way you want to look <laughs> in certain genres. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I heard Coco Taylor, when, when I first kind of really started singing blues, um, I heard some Coco Taylor stuff, and I had never heard of her either. But I was like, whoa, this woman is singing. <laughs> this is like she got her feet flat on the floor and she is belting it out. And I felt like I could do that too. So, uh, you know, so I kind of marched on over to that direction and it's been good for me. And did it come easy to you? Uh, well, I, I'll say yes. Honestly, even when I was singing rock, I, I thought I was singing rock. My, the words were rock words from, right. you know, from Guns N' Roses or whatever, but my soul comes out in my voice. So soul and blues seem to be kind of harmonious with each other. And, and my voice kind of uh, encapsulates both of those soul and blues. So even when way back in the day, I probably had a soul and blues voice and didn't even re really re recognize it. Okay, so back in the day when you decided that you would produce and release and manufacture your own CDs. I mean, I presume this is where your hustle comes from. <laughs> yeah. But tell me about how different things are um, working with Little Village. Because, I mean, obviously you did everything you wanted to do for the, to promote yourself with your own CDs. Right. But what's, it, what's the experience like to work with Little Village and have them do some of the legwork? <laughs> That's the thing. They have legs. They have great legs. <laughs> They got they got Tina Turner legs. <laughs> I have Tina Turner legs too, but mine don't work as good as theirs. <laughs> so, tell, I mean, you're working with amazing musicians, yes, and and amazing producers. And what has that experience been like? Oh man, it's just you know. Now I've known some of these musicians that I work with for a. A bit of time. I didn't really know Jim Pugh very well. Uh, I just really got to know him over this last, you know, six months since we started the project. Um, I would see him here and there on different shows that he would be playing on and usually a, um, like a, a jam type of thing where, you know, I'll come up and sing a couple songs and, you know, and then it's Jim Pugh on the piano. I'm like, hi, how you doing? And, you know, we never really, you know, <laughs> Never really got to know right. each other. Um, Kid Anderson, I've known him for a pretty good amount of time. Let's see, who else? Uh, DeMar, I've known him for a while. Almost almost all the musicians on there, except for, like, I'd never met Charlie Hunter. Uh, I still haven't met the Sons of Soul Revivers. Man, they're great. <laughs> they are great. They did all the background vocals on the CD. Oh my God. But um, 
I knew some of the musicians for a little bit of time and I knew Kid Anderson was just a, a phenomenal guitar player. Mm -hmm. So I knew that was going to be great. And being in the room recording this stuff, like we're in the, in Greaseland studios and everything is in, in one place. Most of the musicians are in like one room and then there's a kind of a little box for me to sing in. Right. But uh, a couple of the things we did all together in one room. And it's just, it's just so cool to see the music come together, especially my originals. I mean, some of these originals I've been dying to put on, on CD or put them out there and I don't play anything. And I, it's probably a good thing. Cause if I did play anything, I probably would fire everybody. I'd be so obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be worth my weight and salt, but uh, so I don't play anything. So it's amazing to be able to say, um, Oh, can you make the bass? Can, can you make the bass do this? Dum, do, 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 or, you know, whatever. And the guy's like, Oh yeah, sure. And you know, it's like, Oh, what? I could direct my own stuff. This is awesome. Do you hear everything in your head? Like, can you picture yeah. everything? Yes. Yes. That's why I know I shouldn't play anything. And so that's been the recording experience. I mean, obviously very high caliber musicians. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I mean, I'll be honest. I, like I said, I listened to these songs a good two or three weeks until we got whittled down to the last 11 songs. And a couple of these songs we did, I hadn't even heard before. Um, one of the songs that Kid Anderson and his wife, uh, Lisa wrote, it's called Ready to Love Again. That was sprung on me one day of the recording. And I don't mean sprung like surprise, but it was kind of <laughs> like, oh, hey, we have this song that we haven't been able to find anybody to sing yet. Are you interested? What do I always say? Yes. <laughs> So they played it for me. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I want to do that. So they got the, you know, they got the, the music together and they started playing it, gave me the lyrics. I started singing it. And after about three takes, that was a winner. How do you relate to a song? Like, how does it become part of you? I make it part of me. And... Is that an easy thing, though? You know, what's what's really kind of weird about it, almost almost every song that comes to me, there's something about it that relates to me that either I went through or I want to go through or, and that's it. Either something that I've already gone through or something that I would love to go through. So it, I feel it's kind of, uh, I feel it's kind of easy to put myself into song lyrics and make it feel like this is me, this happened to me. Or this could happen to me. If it happened to me, it could happen to you. Did this happen to you? Let me sing to you about it. Um, at this stage in your career, do you have goals? I should. <laughs> what kind of goals do I have? Yeah, to sing uh, at more music festivals here in the United States. Um, to spread some love around the world, vocally, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing to be, to have a microphone in your hand when you have a positive message to put out there. And I think that is, that's, I think that's part of the path that's been lit for me. That's part of my journey 
is to to be able to get out there and sing what I'm going to sing. I I usually I stay away from I stay away from uh, I guess sexually charged uh, lyrics, cussing, and it's not because I'm you know holier than thou, nor am I a prude, but I don't feel like that's something that is necessary to spread the word of just being kind, love one another, uh, be generous, be merciful. You know, it's just those things, they need to be, they need to happen. And if I am lucky enough to be in a position to say that to more than one person, even if it's just one person, that's cool. But if like on the radio station, I, 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 you know, throw in a few of those little pearls of wisdom and I don't know how many people are listening, but even if it gets through to one person that they're going to be kind to somebody else today or tomorrow is like, yes. <laughs> so if I'm in an audience with, you know, 10,000 people and I get to say something like that, it's like, well, at least two people are going to hear that today, <laughs> you know, <laughs> It just, you know, it makes me happy. Um, have you ever doubted yourself in your music? Yeah. Way back in the day, I used to do, try to get in these uh, music singing contests. And I am not a gospel singer. I do have a gospel CD, but I am not a true gospel singer. In my opinion, true gospel singers have the voices of angels. Mm-hmm. And their vocals can go all over the place. And those riffs are just like, woo. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, back in the day when they used to have these singing competitions, of course, there would be some gospel singers there and they would just tear that stuff up, just be, you know, and then here I come, I'm like, "Uh, okay, I'm going to try to do what they did. Don't do it. (laughs) Just do, just be yourself. Because, like, you know, a couple of times I tried to do what they did and I, it just, it was an epic fail. So that, you know, th- that was what I call doubting myself, like not believing in what I can do, how I do it, and that's going to be okay. Okay, so how do you get out of your doubts? How do you recover from that? I, I, I just figured, you know what, I, I can't sing like that. And I know I can't sing like that, but I can sing like this. And this is cool because some people like it. So... Just keep singing how you usually sing. Leave it alone. Leave other people's stuff alone. (laughs) (laughs) Even when I'm doing covers, if if I'm trying to do an Aretha Franklin cover, I know I can't sing like her. So (laughs) I'm just going to do a Tia Carroll style. Um, Okay, so the new album's out. You're getting a bunch of press. It seems very positive. Yes. Um, Yes. What's the immediate plan for the future? I believe we're going to ride until the wheels come off of this CD. And I am uh, confident that in the next 18 months that I will be recording another CD for Little Village. Now, I don't know that to be true, (laughs) but that is my, that's my goal. It's a nice goal to have. Because I have more originals. Thank you. I have more originals and I'd like to have a CD with like maybe 80% originals on it. This only has like what? 30%. Okay. Let me, um, I'm going to have to wrap it up, but let me ask you this. Tell me what music has meant to you in your life. (sighs) 
music makes me happy. I know that music make makes other people happy. So music has been uh, a, a safe place for me. The stage feels like a safe place. It's uh, it's just it gives me a feeling uh, of joy. And I can't really even say accomplishment, just, just joy. It just, it just makes me happy. Well put. Um, do you have gigs co- coming up? I don't know what the situation is where you are right now. Oh, let's see. Well, we're still, we're still a little bit under the, the umbrella. Although tomorrow, June 15th, California is supposed to open up to everything, like 100% capacity in the... Wow. Uh, in the restaurants and at the stadiums and at the water park and the, you know, Disneyland. And so we'll see how that, how that comes up Uh, for this month was very slow for me. I have one show and that's uh, uh, Wednesday coming up Wednesday. Now next month um, I'm doing some stuff with little village. We'll be doing something at the, waterfront blues festival in oregon yes and we're going to be doing something down in san jose and i think in september we'll be looking to do something at the san diego blues festival so things are starting to pick up and and that's great i've got a few things that i've booked for myself you can find all of that out on (laughs) www.tiacarol.com Well done. Tia, it's a real pleasure meeting you. We've never met before. I appreciate you reaching out. And um, I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the chance. (laughs) I appreciate it.